All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Stream of Thought, and I'm here with Victor, and, you know, we both have brothers, and we spend a little bit of time talking about sibling rivalry, sibling love, sharing a room, living on bunk beds, but then, for us children, what is better than going to a good old-fashioned youth group? And Victor and I share our various experiences, whereas Victor had a very large youth group, mine was a little more intimate, but during the summer... I have to say, one of the most enjoyable things about youth group and church in general were those summer mission projects. Work camp, mission trips, traveling by van, getting to know people so well in such a short period of time, it's like magic. So, with that being said, episode number 137 of Stream of Thought. We hope you enjoy. <laughs> I, I just, I cannot believe that I haven't, like, permanently destroyed my body in some form or another. The fact that I still have a relatively good-looking face after we, the number um, of times that I've face-planted on concrete oh, or steps and oh, shit yeah, like all that. Oh, yeah, all the random times where you'd have, like, you'd have uh, an injury and I'd be like, what happened? Oh, I fell off my bike or I got hit by a car. Hit by a car, bike, yeah. Or whatever the case <laughs> Tripped was. Tripped up the stairs and slammed my, my head into the... <laughs> <laughs> steps. But in college, oh. uh, in college, we had it was very it was very strange. Our the ceiling was stucco, and the way that the the height of the bunk beds were the loft, like the person on top. Well, actually, both Jack, my roommate, and I, we both had lofted beds. So it's not we didn't have bunk beds, but they were both lofted. They were both elevated. Uh huh. And. The common theme amongst people who had their beds lofted in the dorm or other dorms that had like this stucco ceiling was that if you're in bed lying down and you grab your covers with your hand and then you turn over, sometimes you'll punch the stucco or your hand will brush against it. Oh, yeah. And your, yeah. your knuckles will get all like scraped up and bloodied. It's like, what the fuck? That's the last thing you want when you're half asleep or you're totally asleep and you don't realize that you're turning over and then all of a sudden it's like what the hell and oh okay yeah i just pretty much punched the ceiling and now my hands look like i was punching a brick wall yeah no i definitely had that happen a couple of times uh at the frat house one of the rooms that i had stayed in had a really low ceiling and i had the top bunk so every once in a while you know you wake up and just slam your head on the <laughs> on the stucco ceiling it's just like oh god and sometimes I know, like, I grew up with bunk beds. My brother and I had bunk beds. So when I got to college yeah. and you would get, you would rent these, uh, these frames to have your bed lofted, they would be like, oh, yeah, and here's the metal piece that goes on the side that's optional. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Optional. Yeah, give that to me. I do not want to fall out of my bed in the middle of the night. Yep, same Did here. You... <laughs> and then, like... Um, Especially, I know, I think we've talked about this before, where you are asleep and you have the sensation that you're about, that your body's about to, you know, roll off of an edge and fall and you wake up and there's no danger <laughs> at all, but it's just this strange sensation that you have that jolts your body awake and you're like, what the fuck? And I definitely don't want to have that happen for real, especially when the bed is lofted like six feet above the ground. Oh, absolutely. But I, I see, 
I feel like for both of us who had bunk breads growing up as children, I feel like that's why it's always a good idea to have like two boys or something like that. Get the bunk beds because once you go off to college or frat houses and stuff like that, you're you're going to be dealing with bunk beds for for years. And I know more than my share of people who have just rolled off their bunk bed or whatever in college. And you stuff. know what though? Now that you mention it, my junior year we had bunk beds. There were four of us in this little room, and the bunk beds were together, so it made like an L shape. Yeah, and we didn't have a a thing that we didn't have a side rail nope. but my the width of my mattress the frame was wider than the width of the mattress so <laughs> you had about maybe a good maybe like i want to say 8 8 to 10 inches of just this flat space so like you could theoretically be sitting there with your heat with your feet hanging over and directly behind you is where the mattress begins. So there was a little bit of a little bit of a safety there, I guess. No one had any problems falling off, but um yeah, the mattresses I think in the dorms were I don't I can't remember how the sizes go. It was like the super small ones, the smallest mattress you can get for one person. Right. Yeah. I think it's like a twin twin or something like yeah. that and then like a single is a little bit wider i think so yeah which is what i was used to but when my brother and i one time we decided to take the take the bunk beds apart and just have two beds next to each other it was the strangest feeling it was so weird we did not like it at all <laughs> we had to go back you really yeah yeah because i think it was through oh man it had to have been through junior high i think that um my brother and I had bunk beds, but then my parents redid the house and, and did some renovations and stuff. Then we ended up getting our own separate beds, and it's a weird experience, but for most of my life, I've I've lived with somebody else, and most of the time, it's with bunk beds, which is just such a weird thing to think about. But when you guys, how, when you guys were in high school, did you still share a room? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we shared a room all the way through um, the end of high school. Oh, wow. So, well. Yeah, my brother and I, we stopped... The the beginning of my senior year is when I got a separate bedroom in the room that's my that was my dad's old office, and that was very strange, having a completely separate bedroom. Right. Than my brother, it was so weird. Well, the first the first time that I ever did not have a roommate or someone who I was living with was my first year of seminary. It was the first time I'd ever lived on my own. I have to say, man, the freedom was something that I never could have anticipated before because I never knew what it was like to not have to share space with somebody else and suddenly I had my own my own little world and it was nice you know I had a I had a sink in there there was no bathroom but um yeah it was nice it was a good experience did you ever um what were some of the conflicts that arose sharing your room with your brother? Because for me, it was like he always left. I liked things to be neat and orderly, and he always left things a mess. Yeah, my brother and I have had a very um, interesting relationship over the course of basically our entire lives. I mean, we, we, would, we got each other's backs and stuff like that for the most part. But, of course, living with somebody, both people going through like hormonal puberty type stuff uh with and my, my brother being the kind of rebellious little shit that he was uh 
we I remember there was one time where we had an issue with space. It's like my space, your space, or whatever. My mom at one point actually had to take a roll of tape and make a line in the <laughs> middle of our room that you can't pass there. And I think I think that was still when we had the bunk beds. And so Robert's side was the side where the bunk beds were. So he kept trying to be like, you can't come over to the side. Whatever. I don't know. That was that. But you were only allowed to you were only allowed to cross over there to go on your bed. Yeah, pretty much. So it's funny that you said that because I was just about to ask: Did you guys ever, you know, do the duct tape? Did you ever have a situation like that? No, no, no we never did that. You and your brother because got along I pretty well, though, right? Yeah, yes, because it never got to the point where we were getting in fights over space or things that were a were a mess. It would be usually be. He would make a mess, and I would clean it up. And sometimes things would be messy, but it wouldn't bother me a whole bunch. But, yeah, it never got to that point. Well, we always had – our parents always enforced a clean-your-room, like, on the weekends thing, where we had to pick up Mm -hmm. all of our crap. But, yeah, I don't know. I I don't remember too much of a mess, but – Dude, I went go-karting on Friday. Oh, go on. Yeah, it was awesome. So Have you ever go-karted before? I go to this Yeah, you I have. had, okay. but I can't remember the last time that I went. I mean, go-kart. I definitely know I went once with uh I think like Billy and Jenny and Kelly around the time that senior year of high school started, mm-hmm. but I can't remember the last time that I that I went if I went sometime between now and then. But I go to this place in Thousand Oaks. And, dude, it was awesome. These go-karts are fast. Seriously? They're super quick. And what's nice is they were electric, so they weren't loud, you know? How many, peop- how many and, people on um, a course at a time? Uh, it was – I think it was maybe about eight people okay. at wow. a time. And – okay, and we get there, right? And right away, I can sense that the people there – are the P- are people that go there on you know at minimum a weekly oh my basis God. like that's their hangout okay. spot like they go there maybe once or twice or even three times a week you know <laughs> you can just feel that it's like West Coast by golf. just their demeanor and way that they're dressed and everything and so we are there and not a single person inside of because it was indoors not a single person of course is wearing their mask. The only people wearing the masks are Are the you freaking kidding me? Oh I'm my goodness. You. Come on. And so yeah. And whatever, I don't care. Were you and, wearing a mask? Uh I was and then I took it off. <laughs> wow. What 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 a little sheep you are. And um, <clears throat> and so we're going through the, we're in these go-karts and these things go so quick, dude. And the first laugh, I don't think I – I rarely touch the brake, but um, it was very exciting because there were a few quick, real quick turns that I would be driving really fast going into uh-huh. it. And then the, at the very last second, I would I would step on the brake and then I would hit the gas again. So I would do this little drift action and um, I didn't want to be a dick and hit other people, <laughs> so I only bumped. The only time I, I hit people or cut them off was when I would be passing Kyle or Dan. 
but it was a lot of fun. And of course, the second that a car spins out of control or someone nails the wall, all of the carts simultaneously slow down and stop. Oh, okay. And then you can speed Safety back mechanism. up. Safety uh, mechanism. But it was, a, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of See, fun. I feel as though... Oh, and... No, get this real quick before you ask your question. And Dan, he they had those machines, you know, where the claw machines. Yeah. And Dan was three for three in winning a little stuffed animal from the machines. Well, that's a pretty bad claw machine three then. Three for three. Holy cow. And the th- crazy thing is, too, the claw machine, because they, it definitely tries to screw you over because you have the claw and it goes over the what you want to get. And then when you hit the button for it to go down, the claw, it rotates just slightly. Mm-hmm. So you think if you have it, if it goes in your mind, you're thinking, oh, if this thing goes straight down and closes, I got it. But what it does is before it goes down or while it's going down, it just spins a little bit to, to, so that the hooks rotate. And then, but he still gets it. And then once it picks it up, it lifts it mm-hmm. up and it stops. Because it gives it a couple seconds just in case for the item to fall through the claw and back yep. down. And he, he got three of wow. them. Wow. I've, I've never won at the claw machine. I think ever. <laughs> Did I ever tell you um, what happened when I was in Florida for spring break in college? How they had the same thing, but it was for a lobster? Like little lobster? No, I don't think so. I feel like maybe I shared this story. You might maybe have. not. So we're in... Uh, Panama City, Florida, and we go to this restaurant, and while we're waiting for our table, they have the same concept, a claw machine, but inside are, there's water and there's lobsters, and my buddy, uh, he's going, he's using the claw, he's moving it around, and before, I'm about to tell him, be careful, like, no, like, take your time, before I can even finish that sentence, he already hits the button and the claw is going down. Yeah. Right. It grabs the lobster. Uh-huh. Right. It grabs the lobster, but it it like starts to pick it up, but it doesn't pick it up all yeah. the way. Or I think no. What happens is it picks it up maybe, and 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 by this time every there's all these people crowded around watching. Right. Okay. And it picks it up, I think. And then what happens is it goes back down, and it's still got the claw. And then the mechanism at the top is going to the corner as if it's as if the claw has been elevated. But the claw, it's still – the lobster's sitting at the bottom of the tank. The claw is on the lobster. The, the wire is loose, and the machine thing is going to the corner. And we're like, what the heck? What the heck? And then what it does is it lets go of the lobster – and the claw retracts up on top of the machine. And we're all like, what the hell? What the hell? What the hell? And everyone's like, oh, good try, man. We know you won. Good job. Don't worry about it. You know, try another time. And people disperse. And my friend was pissed. <laughs> he was so pissed off. He's like, what the fuck? I, pick, I, I won this thing. Your machine is faulty. You're trying to screw me over. This is bullshit. Everyone saw me. Like, what are you guys going to do about this? And they're like, oh, well, we can't do anything. This is not our machine. This is a separate company that they're, they have this machine in here. They pay us to, you know, lease this little space uh-huh. and you need to call them. You need to call them. And he called them and I think it, 
like it was an automated number or he had to leave a voicemail or something. I don't know what it was, but he was so pissed off. And this is this is before the time. This is 2008 or nine. And so this is before everybody had video oh, on their cell right. phone. So there was not any video of this that was captured, but I saw it with my own eyes, dude. He caught the lobster and the machine was faulty and he didn't get it. And it was just it was a huge disappointment. I thought it was hilarious because of how upset he got. <laughs> he was so pissed off. Yeah. And then the rest of the experience the rest of his experience at the restaurant, he was just so pissed. Yeah. So yeah. pissed about everything. I could I, I could see he, that. he would he would bitch about anything and everything that would come his way, he bitched about the entire time. <laughs> Sounds like me <laughs> back in the day. Uh yeah. I feel bad because the waiter – I feel bad because, like, he's giving shit to the waiter and the waiter's just like, I, okay, I'm i so sorry. Like, being apologetic oh, about about whatever uh, it is he's complaining okay, about. Little... And it was one of those situations where I kind of rolled my eyes and, and we're about to leave. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, no, that's his tip. And he, he left him like – and this is – we're eating seafood. There's three of us, three or four of us. And so he tips him like $3 or – something or maybe just or maybe just puts the change on there and so i we the rest of us had to cover his portion of the tip because he was just in a very wow. sour mood yeah uh, yeah yeah you can't take it out on other people who are innocent bystanders but yeah no claw yeah. machines definitely remind me of um childhood birthday parties back in the day where we'd go we'd go yeah. have all the the arcades and stuff laser tag that was probably my favorite childhood uh birthday gatherings dude Laser tag was so, so much, much fun. fun. Billy and I went with uh, with Jenny and Kelly when we were I don't know like seventeen. We went again in high school because we're like, oh, let's go laser tag. Like it was so much fun when we were kids. We go laser tagging and we're like, this sucks. <laughs> this is not fun at all. It's one of those things where it, it's a ton of fun when you're a kid and when you're a teenager or you're an adult. It's just like. Oh, this is well. You got to go with like a larger group too, because my youth group actually went laser tagging a couple of times, and I mean, I was probably a freshman or sophomore though, so still young enough. But I had I had a blast, probably more fun than I did back in yeah back in junior high. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, you probably have to go in a big group because I too went with uh, for youth group at first press. We went. I think the last time I went before that time was maybe eighth grade, and it was really really mm-hmm. fun. Yeah. But when we went there, there were people there, same thing, that go there, like, every week. At the, I mean, at the time, we were maybe 17, and there, these people are probably in their 20s or late 20s or something like that. And we were just like, aren't these guys a little old to be really uh-huh. into laser Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. But, what, what was it? I, yeah. And even – I think even when I was um, a youth pastor, I took, took my kids to go laser tagging once. Do you remember that time – when uh, you invited me to your first prize youth group, it was like the, like the launch night or something. There was no, uh, I don't remember at all. Okay, I could have sworn that I this yeah I, I could have sworn it was you that invited me. Um, Are you sure it was first prize? Well, they had pizza and it, there were like two two hundred people. <laughs> all right, so it's definitely a youth group event. If there's pizza, it's definitely yeah. a youth group event. I don't remember. What was it? Launch I, night or like the first it, night? It was of the some year? like bring a friend to youth group type event, but there okay. there had to have been about sixty or seventy people there, and that was just that was that was way too much for my taste of number of people. It was it, 
Because, oh, I mean, back really? then, too, I, I was just not a very social person, and I didn't really know any of these. It was a yeah, lot of people. Yeah. It was because, yeah, everyone was bringing other friends and stuff like that. So, I don't know. That was just... Jeff Minkus. Jeff Minkus was uh, yep, part of I, our I remember group. him being there. Uh, Al- Alex, uh, Alex yeah, Dean. Yeah. Alex Dean actually too. came to a couple of our youth groups, too, I believe, at uh, First Congregational. Really? Dude... Youth group in high school was so much fun. And then I remember, because it happened during the school year, and then the summer, and it's like, oh, we're going to be doing summer youth group. I'm like, oh, awesome. This is so cool. Bro, I go there for the summer, the first summer youth group. It sucked. (laughs) It was so lame, dude. Like, there was nobody there. It was less than 10 people. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't know what it was. I don't know why... I don't know how everybody knew something that I didn't. I was the only person amongst my group of peers, uh, of people that I hung out with there, that went there. And everyone else, either I had never seen before, or they were people like, it just so happened to be, you know, the few people that I rarely interacted with. And it, we didn't, like, there weren't any game. it wasn't like high energy, there huh. weren't any games, there wasn't any food, and that was the first and last time I did Oh, that's so group. funny, because our youth group back, like, freshman and sophomore year at First Congregational, we, it was average of 7 to 12 people a week would come. Oh, yeah, super oh, small. Oh, really? Very, very intimate group, but I have yeah. to say, like, uh, you guys had work camps or, like, mission trips and stuff, right? Uh, so I can't, I'm trying to think because we did, yeah, we, I, my memory gets hazy around then because when I think of youth group, I definitely remember going every week, week after week. And it was just a lot of fun games, food, and we would do trips. There was a trip in the winter and a trip in the summer. I only did the trip in the winter where it was like a weekend retreat And as far as any volunteer work goes, I know we did some stuff. I can't tell okay. you what it was. <laughs> I don't remember. Oh, you know what? One of them, though, was really fun was uh, we did this thing where we would babysit kids. Like around oh. Christmas time, families could just come to the church, drop off their children for the day. You know, for a few hours so they can go out and do Christmas tro- Christmas shopping or if they just need a break from their kids or whatever. And uh, different parts of the church were for different aged okay. uh, kids. And for part of that, uh, Billy and I and Grace and Jenny, uh, we were in charge of kids between the ages of like, I don't know, five and eight okay. yeah. or something like that, which was a lot of fun. But that was the only thing I huh. can remember. Uh, and I'm sure – I think we may have done some landscaping work around the church, but I just – my memory gets okay. when it comes to that. I can't recall. Because ours, ours would go all across the country. We'd, we'd either fly or drive a van or whatever. So it was like Edisto Island in South Carolina, Portland, Oregon, um, St. Louis, and um, Florida, somewhere in Florida. Right after the the hurricane. I think our church, I think First Press definitely did that, but I don't okay. think I went on Bro, those, those were seriously, it's part of the reason why I went into ministry in the first place, was was that experience. You told me on those trips were, was where you witnessed, when we had that episode, uh, Changing of the Guard, 
right? Where you'd go on those trips and people would stay up all night and then other people would right. go to bed early. And then you would be able to witness the people that would be crashing in the middle of the day versus the people who were well The final night, in theory, we all made a pact to yeah. try and pull an all-nighter. Uh, and I, it was myself and Julie Carey were the only two that consistently made it, like, I think all four years, the two of us were probably the only ones who made it through the entire night. <laughs> what was your favorite trip? What, so what were the places that you went to? What was the, the farthest that you drove? And uh, the farthest that we drove was to St. Louis. I think we flew for all the other ones, which, let me tell you, you get, you get okay. a crew of like 10 to 20 to 25 kids in an airport with like five chaperones. Oh, it's anarchy, chaos. Oh my god, absolute chaos. But bro, I have to say, my freshman year, like totally life changing to uh, Edisto Island, South Carolina. First time I really, I think that was the first time in my life that I'd worked in a predominantly black community. I don't think I'd ever had those kind really? of experiences. Ended up going to, it was so funny. They on uh, the Sunday service. It was an entire week long trip, and we were there for a Sunday. So they split our group up to go to two separate church services, a white church service and a black church service. And I got stuck having to go to the white church service, which it was so <laughs> That shit was stuffy. probably super it boring, so bro. S- that was probably extremely dry that and was boring. The only, that was probably the only disappointing part about that trip because then the other half came back. <laughs> from the black church like three hours later and they're like drenched in sweat and it's like everyone was just cheering and shouting and screaming and everyone feeling was the feeling spirit. the spirit and yeah. it was i was like ah ah because that was all they would talk about for the remainder of the, the trip white church service. <laughs> was just how that's all they talk about was how great of an experience that that trip to the black church was and i was just like damn you because oh i really wanted to go there <laughs> But no, you know, <gasps> such as it is. But uh, no, man, like, how did they divvy? How did they divvy up the group? You just draw a name from the hat. Yeah, the, or sha- what? The, the What happened? How is the it chaperones just arbitrarily said, "Okay, you, you we're going to split you in half. You half are going to the white church. You half are going to the black church." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> not the not the most organized. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Wow, that's so funny that you went there and it was just a huge disappointment. It's like I could I could experience this. And it was like it wasn't even like a first prez or first congo where you've got like good music and stuff like that. You had like a seventy year old lady playing playing a piano, not even an organ, just a piano, playing these old timey southern hymns and you know, maybe maybe another twenty or so people in there. Really small church too. It was like a one building church, and then you had the rectory behind there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just, I mean, it was. I'm glad they kept the service to like only an hour because at that point, I'm just like, oh, this is just going on. There, was there any air conditioning? There was no air, air conditioning, conditioning, and that actually probably was one of the only other positives uh, because the black church. I don't think they had air conditioning in a, in a summer in South Carolina. So, yeah. The white, the white people, they had their air conditioning. Yeah, but when you're having as much fun over there, you don't, you're don't you not paying attention to the AC. You're just well, having a and, blast. Uh, <laughs> well, and that's kind of what it was, too, where 
every night, and this was one of the coolest things too about the the experience was that every every night we would have what was called circle time, and so we'd go around, we'd have a talking stick or something like that, and everyone would just have the opportunity <laughs> to share a couple of moments, and to a person, every single one of those kids that went to the black church, it, that's all they spent their entire circle time talking about. So the rest of us had to just sit there and listen to that. And come up with something positive to say, because that was pretty much the only thing that happened on that Sunday. We did, we weren't working or anything like that, so <laughs> like I, I don't really have much to talk about. A talking yeah. stick. No, but it it changed my life, wow. man. It, it genuinely, it was the first time like that I felt truly accepted by a group outside of my family. Because I, I, it was mm-hmm. like I just remember being like, I don't want this to end. I because I got to know all these kids who went to youth group, but I never really talked to. I mean, I was a very shy freshman, mm. felt like I was, I was dorky, nerdy and stuff like that. And they embraced that. They, they loved the fact that I had written books like fantasy books and, um, was, uh, uh, on the football team and just seemed to be a very contradictory personality. And they, they embraced me and welcomed me in. And I was like, wow, that is an experience that I want to give to others, um, as I get older. And so that, that kind of was the attitude that I took sophomore, junior, senior year was I, I, I was always making sure that everyone was kind of included. And then going into ministry, that was kind of the reason why I took on the youth and young adults position as like, man, there is nothing more formative and powerful than finding a, like a genuinely loving faith community where you can just bear your soul and be accept, accepted for the eccentric person that we all are. So yeah, that was that was crazy. So that was definitely my favorite time. Not not a single mission trip after that um, matched up to that that freshman year experience. But that's only because it was such a unique and novel thing that I never possibly could have. And everyone's always crying on the last night during circle time too, as everyone's just just bawling their eyes out about the experiences and the friendships that were built. And these trips, how long were the how uh, long were these seven, trips? Seven or eight days, typically. So I went on some trips that were also seven or eight days, but that wasn't at first press. That would have been through Young Life because <laughs> I kind of transitioned a little bit uh, from first press and then went to Young Life, like around junior around junior year. Okay. Because first press, I just went on trips maybe two or three times. I can't recall 100%. But then I went to a Young Life. I definitely remember going to the Young Life retreat for one week prior to senior year starting and then again after senior year prior to freshman year of college beginning and that was like the cutoff for young life i believe until if you want to still be involved i think they made you try and be one of the um like one of the leaders yeah but anyway yeah because we went down to georgia one year and that bus ride was 12 hours long oh my god and the following year the following year we went to colorado and that was a 24-hour bus ride so not only are you with a bunch of people that you go to high school with, um, and there's other people that are from, there's people from Glenbard West, but then there's other people from Glenbard South too. So you see these people on a regular basis, but then the camaraderie that you develop on in a closed space on a 12 to 24 hour mm-hmm. bus ride, and then you're at camp and you're hanging out with people that you don't normally hang out with maybe in high school, like you're friends with them, or maybe sometimes you hang out with them, but it just was awesome getting to know uh, people very well in a short amount 
of time and you're together for seven or eight days and then again on the bus ride back and the bus ride back is a lot of fun and then you start to see things that look familiar when you're getting back into town yep. and you're like oh okay this is ending right now okay uh-oh shit just got real and then <laughs> the bus ends and your parents pick you up and you're like what the fuck like this is a bit melancholy right now. I feel a slight bit of depression, bro. And exact the same fun feels. is now the fun is now over. Yeah. <laughs> exact, exact. Like you, you literally just perfectly summarized that exact same emotional experience that I had yeah. after every single work camp. It's just yeah, melancholy. Like wow, now back to the real world. Oh, this sucks. Ah, <laughs> like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, the- but it's crazy. It's crazy how uh, quality time. Like you can have, you can get to know someone so well in a short amount of time, but you can see the same person or group of people over an extended period of time and still not really know much about them. Yeah, and that that I think that was like the magical moment for me was that I, yes, I never magic. never knew it was possible for friendships to be created in such a short amount of time that. Literally, I mean, they became friends for life. I mean, I could reach out to any of them right now and be able to catch up. And sometimes I do every couple of years. I'll, I'll touch base with them. But, yeah, it's magic. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. It, any any and all BS is completely removed. I mean, and at the time, too, cell phones were just starting to become somewhat right. popular. Yes. But there was no social media. And so, yeah, if you're on the bus... You're either listening to music or you're talking. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're just being real and anything that people might worry about, you know, especially when you're a teenager, what makes you cool or trying to present yourself a certain way, none of that is present. Uh, You're just yourself and you're just hanging with people and having a good time. You know, I will say, even because I I had a – with one of the youth trips that I did when I was a pastor – I think we included seventh and eighth grade as well as high schoolers as well. So definitely, definitely a wider range of personalities, but I was surprised for the fact that they were living in a cell phone culture. They ended up, I mean, I I did set pretty strict guidelines as to how and when to use phones. And if I had to confiscate Mm -hmm. them, I, I, I would actually think I might've done that a couple of times where I just took their cell phones and stored them up front so that they were forced to interact with each other. Um, but no, they, they sang songs, they talked. I mean, it was, a um, a really cool experience that I didn't know kids could still have with that, you know, 24 seven social media and, um, constant communication with the outside world. Cause I think that was mm-hmm. the magic for me was that, yeah, we were totally separated from everyone else. <laughs> we are, we were in a totally different world. The coolest thing about that uh, was, um, and I, I experienced it too when I went to Colorado a few years, several years ago, and I was there as a backpacking guide. It's like, oh, you know, where have you seen so and so? Oh, they're over at the pool, or they're at the doing arts and crafts, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I guess I'll go walk for fifteen minutes. And see if they're there. Oh, they're, oh, you just missed him. Oh, okay. Well, and and so it's just crazy to think that if you're trying to communicate with someone, you have to go find them. Yeah, I know. Or hey, we're gonna go, we're gonna go do this. 
let's meet up at this spot at this time. Mm-hmm. And then if plans change, you just find things out by word of mouth and you just go with the flow. And it's just – it's so uh, relieving and refreshing to not have to worry about texting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I will say on those trips though, I have never shoveled more mulch in my life oh, wow. than – I ha- there was I think it was in St. Louis actually. We were we were a group of us were at a church and they're like, "Oh, we're going to have you do some mulching m- most of the yard and stuff like that." This had to have been the largest pile of mulch that I've ever seen. It was <laughs> it had to have been probably 7 8 feet tall and about 10 feet wide of just wow. like a a truck a truck full of mulch, mm-hmm. like one of those dump trucks full of full of mulch, had just been there. Took us basically like three days to mulch all that, but my god, I was so freaking sick of mulch afterwards. It's like I never want to do this. And then really, obviously, I come back uh, and pretty much start doing yard work for some of the old people in my church. And what am I doing? I'm mulching again. But hey, I'm a pro You're at it now. Again. You're a pro. The other oh, the other random thing that happened to become a tradition. And I, we didn't do this my senior year, but we would always build a shed for some reason. Like, uh, it was my freshman year, I think was the first time that they built a shed, like from scratch, just straight up built a shed. And so every year after that, we were like, oh, so when are we going to build the shed? And uh, managed to keep that going for like three years in a row where we just, oh, for, for the hell of it. we Okay. So the first year a shed needed to be built and then someone's like, when are we building the shed? Oh, we don't need to build them. Well, let's just do it yeah, anyway. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> we always found an excuse as to one of one of the families or people that we were helping. Hey, you want a shed? <laughs> and so we just built a shed. Oh. We did, um, we didn't do, I remember when we were in college for our pledge project, we were replacing the railroad ties that were in the front lawn to keep the front lawn from like spilling over onto the sidewalk mm. because it was slightly elevated and, and curled just a little bit. And, um, I remember when we were doing that, there was like, there was a portion. And the reason I remember this is because you said shed and we were standing by the shed and the, it's getting dark and we're like hucking pieces of wood into this dumpster by the shed. There was like, zero safety precautions being taken. (laughs) Like, the sun is starting to go down. We're just throwing wood. Keep your head up so you don't, like, get your head knocked off by a giant chunk. And I think one guy, like, I think one one piece fell on his hand or on his finger, and and he was fine and everything like that. But I'm just thinking back of the level of, I don't want to say, I should say maybe more like organization, like looking back at the church stuff, like very well organized, uh, very positive. Everyone's having a good time. And then when we were doing this project, it started out like that, and then it end, and then it slowly, uh, slowly devolved into people getting into arguments, <laughs> short tempers. We're outside all day, and uh, but those projects were a lot of fun too. That create camaraderie amongst people that again you're still getting to know and everything but yeah talking about this makes me it makes me think oh man good times man absolutely good times yep blood sweat and tears sometimes literally blood, blood. Sweat and tears <laughs> for sure my brother I, I don't know if i ever told you that my brother cut off the tip of his finger with a circular saw on a work camp trip oh my gosh yeah no tip of his thumb is gone so he doesn't ha- he doesn't have a fingerprint now <laughs> 
Uh, so hearing stuff like that makes me shake it, a little bit. It was always fun. Well, the sh- the chaperone in charge, Laura, she she was more freaked out than my mom was. She was like almost hysterical. Uh, and yeah. but then uh, when they called my when they called my mom, she's just like, oh, that sounds like him. Like, is he is he fine? <laughs> and he right. was fine. But they had to take him to the hospital, stitch up, stitch stitch him up, and stuff like that. Gosh. But it was always funny whenever he would uh, get in trouble and get arrested or whatever. They could never get his fingerprints because and and they were always so confused is this a per- one a one time thing or the several thing. times that he okay it was a one time thing they were trying to figure for a moment you him. made it sound like yeah every time no, he gets every arrested, time, yeah. they can't get <laughs> yeah yeah but <laughs> so there was an episode of uh like CSI where they were trying to catch this guy and they could never figure out who it was or what was going on and then at the end of the episode they discovered that the guy had like cut off pieces of his fingertips and put it back on so that each fingerprint looks like it's three or four different fingerprints. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah, that's ugh. interesting. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes me shake again. Gosh. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, oh, just another random little nugget. Uh, you know how I haven't really been working out too much during this whole pandemic? Yeah, I I decided you know, and I haven't really done much with the upper body strength. You know, I'll I'll do running mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but I haven't really um, done too much with my arms. And I was feeling my pec the other day, and I was like, oh no, where'd the where the like I still have pecs, but there's no like muscle there. I was just like, oh, yeah. that was a rude wake up call. So what I've decided now, because basically I have to more or less start from scratch. Like so, mm-hmm. every day now I'm uh, started off uh, like a week ago. And just doing two sets of 20 push-ups, and then I'm increasing it by one push-up a day, and just going up. Okay. So I'm up to, I'm up to today will be uh, 28 push-ups, two sets of 28, and see how high I can get before it starts doing. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm feeling sore. It's that good, it's that good feeling, and I'm not going to kill I've, myself. Yeah, I've been, uh, I don't want to make you feel like shit, but I've been, <laughs> I've been doing similar things. I, um... I'm trying uh, for the last couple of weeks, at least twice a week. What I've been doing is, I'll do like these jumping body squats. Oh yeah, you know, you ju- you squat down and then you jump up in the air. Mm-hmm. And I do f- I do four sets of twenty five, and then I'll do push ups right after four sets of twenty five. Nice, and just twice a week. And the crazy thing is, is like. I don't feel – I feel more sore in my legs, but, like, I don't feel sore in my chest at all doing these push-ups. Mm. But the thing is, doing these uh, squats and then – last week I, I ran and then I did the squats. Yeah. And, dude, for, like, three or four days I was just drinking so much water. And I drink water on a pretty regular basis, but it it my <sighs> body wasn't used to it where I'm drinking water all day. I'm drinking water all day. And then I drink water before I go to bed and mm. then – I wake up in the morning and I feel like shit because what I needed was just to have an IV in my arm while I slept <laughs> because as I'm sleeping, my body's like, I need more water, but I'm asleep, yeah. so I'm not drinking water. So I had a day where I just felt like shit all day where I had a huge headache. Oh, it was last Tuesday, I think, or two weeks ago. I can't remember exactly when. Um, but yeah, I still have like uh, – because growing up and everything, I don't, I don't eat a lot. But when I do eat, I don't eat like shit. I eat pretty healthy. So I still have my physique. But the crazy thing is, like, it's tough for my biceps because my biceps feel like jelly, you know? Like, 
if you look at it, it looks like I'm working out, but it still feels like jelly. But yeah, it sucks that the gyms are closed, man. I'm not <laughs> a fan right now. But at least Runyon is open, so I can still go running uh-huh. and do push-ups and try and do some dips. Right, um, yeah. But after doing the squats, it was like I take a nap and then I wake up later in the day and I'm more tired than when I went to bed. Uh-huh. Than when I went to sleep, you know, for the nap. It's just like, uh... <laughs> Sucks, the worst, the worst part so of napping is waking time. up. 